This episode of EDI on BIV is broadcast from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. This particular episode was recorded two weeks ago prior to the Tecumos Tisahuatan announcing preliminary findings of the remains of 215 children who were students at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Welcome to EDI on IV. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. Joining me as a co-host today is Wael Bowen, CEO at HRX, a consulting firm based in Canada, based in Vancouver, providing data analytics to address inequality in our communities and our workplaces. Wael, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Haley. Really great to be here with you. And while you're also a member of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trades Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council Advisory Committee, and today we're going to discuss the work of that council as well as efforts to foster greater diversity and inclusion in the broader business community with the president and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, Bridget Anderson, joins us today. Welcome, Bridget. Great to have you on the program. Thanks very much, Haley. And while it is great to be here. It's so great to, to have you here, Bridget. <laughs> It's really exciting. I mean, you know that diversity and inclusion, uh, I'm really passionate about it and you have been part of this journey while, so I'm really delighted to be able to speak about what we're doing and what we will do in the future. I wanna start by asking you, Bridget, as many of our audience members will be familiar with the Women's Leadership Council or CIRCLE, the predecessor, if you will, to this diversity and inclusion leadership council. Can you tell us a bit about why and how you decided to broaden the mandate from focusing on women in business to perhaps looking more generally at diversity and inclusion issues? I became involved in the Women's Leadership Council um, several years ago. I think it was around 2016, although my dates might be off slightly. And then uh, in 2017, I became co-chair of the of the council. And, and while you were very much part of this journey as well, and it occurred to me back then that while gender equity is incredibly important, that we were missing out on part of the conversation. And so even back then, we were having discussions at the Women's Leadership Council about whether we should broaden the tent. And if we did, what would that mean? And how broad do you get? And, and how do you ensure equal representation? And it became quite a complex conversation. And then I stepped off the WLC. And so the conversation, um, I wasn't part of that anymore. And then in 2019, I was appointed president and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. And that was one of my first priorities is I really wanted to, uh, as part of my overall priorities about broadening our reach within our business community, I wanted to ensure that the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade was reflective of the community and everything that we're doing through our broad membership, through our events. And I thought the WLC was one of those areas that could also really um, broaden its mandate around diversity. So I went to the WLC and I said, this is what I'd like to do. And I'd like you to be part of the journey. And I heard feedback and I heard uh, some concerns and challenges. I heard feedback about things to consider. And it was a really uh, engaging conversation. And so 
over a period of time, I had lots of conversations with people on the WLC and other people in the community, uh, generally speaking, and people who have more of a lived experience uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And it fortified what I wanted to do. So it was in the early or mid part of May in 2020 that we announced that we were going to establish the Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council. And, um, you know, we were so proud that we were making that move in the evolution of the WLC. And then two weeks after it was George Floyd's death. So, you know, I'd like to say that we were prescient about it, but, you know, that it really, um, if anything, I think it, it, what it did, what George Floyd's death did was reinforced how important diversity and inclusion is and how quickly we need to move. So that was the beginning of the journey. And then I started thinking, well, who do I want to be on this advisory committee? And while you were one of the first names that I thought of because of the work that we had done on the WLC and work that um, I had you do in my previous uh, organization. And so the conversation started with, uh, with a number of people in the business community who had been involved in the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade or the WLC, those who hadn't. And there were some fascinating conversations from a lot of people who, um, you know, might have been excited about what we were thinking of doing, but also skeptical. And for good reason, you know, you've got to be able to put the action behind the words. So that was the beginning of the journey. And um, I am incredibly proud and grateful for the work of the DLC because they are leading us on this journey. So Bridget... This is interesting because you made the move. We were chatting about it a few years ago. I remember the, the hearing the concerns of people who were saying, if you expand the focus, you lose um, making meaningful progress in terms of gender, right? Do you think these voices, do you, do you think these voices, uh, do you still like, have these conversations? Did these voices change their perspective after like the killing of George Floyd? What's happening recently? You, you know, one of the things that has occurred to me, and this is from my previous lives in media and in government, that the louder a voice is, the more weight it carries. So when I thought about diversity and inclusion overall, I thought about gender equity, like gender equity is still an issue um, in our communities. And so to be able to make further strides on gender equity, you put more people in the tent. So you put indigenous people in the tent, you put Asian people in the tent, you put black community in the tent, you put us all in the, put all of us in the tent together where the conversation becomes elevated and not so narrow focused. And so for me, I thought it actually might make bigger strides on gender equity to have other underrepresented groups part of the conversation. You mentioned, Bridget, that there were some skeptics early on, and I want to ask you about how you approach doing this with authenticity and where you maybe think the Board of Trade can contribute to the conversation in a way that's helpful to members and helps advance causes related to diversity and inclusion. Authenticity is really important. Uh, uh, and really, you know, if you look at me, I'm a Caucasian woman. 
Um, and so I don't have a lot of that lived experience. So for authenticity, I need to call on others who have lived experience from all kinds of different backgrounds, whether we're talking about accessibility or Indigenous communities or Black communities or Asian communities. And so I wanted to make sure there was full representation and from both genders on the advisory council and to have some uncomfortable conversations. What I can commit to is being vulnerable and being transparent and really willing to have uncomfortable conversations. And, uh, you know, I, that's something I strive for every day. Um, but where it comes to uh, authenticity, I, I have to rely on others because what I can do is elevate voices. It's not really my voice. I'm an ally, but it's not my voice that's leading this in that way. Providing a platform, if you will, through the Board of Trade to others who can speak to these topics. Very much. And one of the very first things that the Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council did was in a planning meeting, what we, we talked a lot about these guiding principles and ground rules, if you will. Um, and it was really an important uh, conversation because that's how you set up success is for everybody to be aligned. And again, while you might remember that, um, we had some conversations after we had the meeting where you actually pointed out to me um, a couple of missteps that I might have made in my eagerness. Let's put it that way. You're, you're laughing right now. Um, but it's important to get that feedback. Uh, and so I reached out and I got feedback from a few other people in the meeting. And I realized, you know, yeah, I, I needed to hear that. And I needed to, um, uh, I think, be accountable for it. Because all I think the best thing that all allies can do is to hear the feedback, listen to the feedback, and to be accountable for their actions. So thank you, Wow. You know, you took us to this uh, discussion about allyship, and I wanted to ask you about that, but you answered. Um, so here's my, my, my other question. You are in this position of being an ally. It's a difficult position. You are advocating for uh, voices of groups that you don't belong to. You know, you don't really understand their experience, but you really care about... Um, equity and full inclusion and opportunity for these voices. On the other hand, you have these people in very powerful positions that you want them to change. You want them to increase diversity. You want them to invest and care about this topic, but you don't have the power to force them. You are the CEO of the Board of Trade, very, very, very powerful, influential position. So how do you advocate for that change without being able to demand it. You can't like enforce policy. How do you navigate this conversation having the pressure from both groups, you know, people who demand you to do things and people who are like. Education and awareness are two really important pieces of that puzzle and having, making a safe place to have these conversations. And we've had some pretty tough conversations at our Board of Trade events around Black Lives Matter, uh, around um, just diversity and inclusion overall. So I think my role is around education and awareness and giving a platform. So thank you for saying that, Haley. So at our events, ensuring that there is diverse representation on our panels all the time. I can think of less than a handful of occasions in the last year where there hasn't been diversity on panels and sometimes and believe me every single time we're having an event I want to make sure there's diverse voices so that there's representation 
and then to make the conversation okay. And so that for me is being vulnerable and leaning in and showing that it's okay, um, but also knowing when to step back. And so um, understanding that there are some times that I would like to have a role um, and then knowing that's not the time to do that. And so to be able to give up my space at the table. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's part of, of the puzzle, but things like um, the education and awareness, and I will give full credit to the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade that there is full acceptance of being on this journey. You know, back in December or January, our board of directors uh, unanimously approved the, the adopting the 50-30 challenge, and our board right now is 42% female or female identified. 30% underrepresented, so not quite there, but we're getting there. And then on education and awareness, um, really proud of the work that we're doing with the Canadian Centre for Diversity and Inclusion. We are the first Board of Trade or Chamber of Commerce to be an official employer partner of CCDI, and they have been incredible partners um, in, in their, through the partnership. We've trained and certified over 400 people on the foundations of DNI. And we're on track to certify another 200 by July. So, you know, I think that's when I'm talking about understanding the strength of partnerships and other voices in the conversation. Absolutely. I'd love to know what you're hearing from other business leaders in the community and if there is a genuine willingness to have those uncomfortable conversations, as you put it, and if there are challenges in them maybe meaningfully approaching facilitating greater diversity and inclusion with their, within their organizations. Well, I'm going to have a bias here, so I'm going to ask Wild to chime in because in, in my mind, I see um, uh, some wholesale change in, in society. And then also on the other side of the fence, I'm seeing some really alarming and some frightening things. But if I want to focus on the positive for a moment, I am seeing a momentum building where the conversations are becoming much more mainstream and there's much more of a willingness to accept that diversity and inclusion is vital to, to society overall for the health of society, the wellness of society, and, and really for, because it's the right thing to do. And then there's a whole bunch of other reasons why as well. But I, again, like I'm not really the person to ask about this because I'm not a person of color. I'm not underrepresented. So I'm really looking at it through my lens and through my own bias. Um, so I, I'm not sure that actually answers the question that you asked, Haley, because when I see momentum build, then I see there's more conversations and I see that there's more willingness. And so I really try to lean into that. But I don't want to diminish the fact that we've seen some horrific, horrific things happen to our friends in the Asian community and Black communities, particularly, and our Indigenous communities. And so how do we make changes there? I think we talk about it we, and we shine a light on it. And then we listen to those people in those communities to find out what they need for us to help them. But again, I, I, that's my bias. I, so while I'm asking you... I totally agree with you. You know, I think um, we are in this space. We see organizations that we haven't dreamed of them coming to us and say, hey, we want to do this. And we're like, okay, that's great. So that's progress. But like every once in a while, we get an incident or news or a report. Like I'll give an example. Let's talk about gender. The Global Mail report that was published in, in January came 
Uh, in a time where many I, I talked to were like, yeah, we are doing good job in terms of gender equity. You know, we have a lot of like uh, uh, gender diversity uh, at the top and, and the numbers come from the Globe and Mail investigation report. And I'm like, really, we are still there? That's just shocking. So they looked at only public and uh, public data about um, uh, like uh, government um, organizations, universities, uh, cities, municipalities. They didn't look at the private businesses that they didn't share their data. <laughs> and the numbers were shocking, shocking. And, and, and these organizations they looked at, they're like 86% of them. They have more men than women at the top. Uh, when they looked at the pay, the publicly uh, disclosed pay of these uh, senior officials, uh, around 70% of them are paid uh, the men are paid more than the women. So I agree with you. We, we think there is progress, but every once in a while we get the reminder that there is still a lot of work we need to do. Change is fast and change is slow. <laughs> I think both are, are true, especially in this past year and a half. There is so much more work to do, but the more people we have in the tent to get the work done, the faster the work will get done, I hope. But I, I also understand not understand, that's a wrong word. I also see that there is much more polarization in society than ever before. I don't understand it. I don't see why. Uh, and I, I really am becoming quite concerned about that because you have one part of the community really pushing for change and accelerating some change. And then you have another society, piece of society that is really, um, you know, in a very dangerous place. And so I, I am quite concerned about that. And I, I also see that, you know, there is, there's the role of social media and media in that. And that gets, uh, you know, very complex. And we can go down a whole other rabbit hole on that one. Um, but I think that it's even more important to, to, make, to, to lead change and to be vocal about that change. And also to not sit back on our laurels. Like, I'm, I'm really impressed with the work that we've done at the Board of Trade but I know we have a lot more work to do. And I'm not kidding myself about that. So how do we do that? And what more do we need to do? Do you meet, Bridget, some of these people once in a while who you are like, oh, we still have very long way to go. These people with a lot of power who are resisting or like don't understanding or. Yeah, uh, and you know, it's not frequent, thankfully, but there are times where I think, did I just hear or, or see that? And then I think in our own personal circles, we can probably all think of a family member or a friend or an acquaintance where you look at them sideways and think, did I just really hear or say that, see that? And that to me, you know, is, and I'm learning this, that's the importance of allyship where you speak up in that moment. Yes. And I can tell you, I've had lots of times in my life where I've regretted not speaking up. I'm trying very hard to not have so much of that, those moments and, and to learn when to speak up and how to speak up and, and why it's so important. I think that's well said. You mentioned that you've learned a lot over the past year, and I'm curious if there's anything else you've learned that you haven't mentioned yet from having these difficult conversations, from trying to be an ally, from trying to create more space for other voices, any lessons that you can pass on to other leaders who are also trying to navigate this? 
Um, and I think this comes from that first meeting of the Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council. And, and while I think it was the way that you said it, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get the words right, but I think it was from the conversation we had after. And it was about intention and action. And I'm still learning that. You know, we I might have very positive, strong intention to make change, but it is in the way that I make that change that it's an intention and impact. That's what you said to me, wow. Intention and impact. Not, not action. And so th- those two are very different things. And just really understanding that. And I'd say every day I've got some new learning in that I, I, I have incorporated. And to me, the, my journey is never going to end on this, nor, nor should anybody's and being open to it. And I think the other thing that has been um, one of those moments, those aha moments where I catch myself and think, oh, well, I thought I was a bit better than that. Why did I have that thought? Oh, that's my own unconscious bias or whatever that is. And so being able to be really honest about that and to catch yourself in the moment to give yourself an opportunity to reframe or rethink what that thought is, because a lot of this is so systemic and ingrained, it's going to take us generations to unlearn that. Um. Bridget, we have met some time ago. I know you are a strong advocate for this. You have been doing it in many places um, that you worked with or volunteered or being on the board. Why is this important to you personally? Such a great question, Wal. And I'm getting emotional. because, you know, I, I, maybe I would point to um, my upbringing and I have grown up all over British Columbia and lived in a lot of rural communities and in rural communities you have in British Columbia, you have um, quite a diverse population. And I think about my own family dynamics or my own dynamics I saw in school and what I was part of and my, my own narrow focus in life. And because I think I'm, I am somebody who wants to see good in the world and really want to make meaningful change, that I have also been really, really impacted by some of the horrible things that I've seen, in, not even in the last year and a half, but I would say, you know, throughout my life and knowing that we can all make a change together. So there's not one particular thing, but I, you know, I think I'm, I'm a kid of the seventies and eighties and nineties and, and, and things weren't great back then when it comes to gender equity or diversity and inclusion. And I have two kids, um, one girl, one boy, and I really want to make their world better in any way that I can. And if this helps to make their world better, uh, and that they have, you know, that they see me as a role model and they feel more comfortable to have uncomfortable conversations, then, I, then I'm doing what I, I think really matters to me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Bridget. I have one last question for you. Great conversation. Thank you. So what's your vision for the greater Vancouver corporate leadership? Well, that's a very long conversation about what my vision is, but, you know, we've just put together our strategic plan and we're going to be sharing that with members in the coming weeks. And 
And diversity and inclusion is a big part of that. So when I think about the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade and its 134 year history, I look at that black and white photo that is in the office. They're all men sitting around a table and they're all white. And I think, well, that's not the Vancouver business community that I know. So I want the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade to be a voice of business. And to do that, we have to have everybody in the tent. So that is, you know, all sectors, that is both genders, that is all communities, that is uh, sexual orientation and accessibility. And, you know, we're, we are a, a policy and advocacy organization to make better policy for business, which makes it a better place to live and work. That is why we exist. And we're only going to do that when we're representative of the whole community. So I want everybody in the tent. I want, and I want to fully understand what will make life better for those. We all go to work. And, you know, I, I think we're asking, you know, when we ask people to come to work every day, we're asking them to, to live to a purpose of the organization. So, you know, our purpose then is to make it a better place to live and work in our region. And to do that, we have to make big changes on diversity and inclusion. And then the Board of Trade also needs to do a bunch of other things like be more representative of our emerging economy. And so I, I want the voice to be loud and proud and I want it to be very representative. And so there's lots of work to be done on that, but um, you'll see in the strategic plan how we're going to do that. Looking forward to seeing that. And Bridget, I want to thank you for joining the show and sharing what this journey's been like. It sounds like it hasn't been easy and it sounds as though the journey's not over, but I, I'm hopeful that our audience is taking something away from this conversation and hopefully they're inspired to perhaps have some of those difficult and uncomfortable conversations within their own organization. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Haley and Weil, um, for allowing me to have a voice in this conversation. And I, I would also be remiss if I didn't thank some of my own team members who have been integral in this journey and pushing me uh, along the way to make better decisions. And so there are a number of people in my organization, and two of them I, I, I really have to mention by name is, is Argy and Amora, because they have been wonderful advocates and champions and and you know along with the DLC and the CCDI they are part of this team I'm part of the team um, that's making change and I couldn't do it with anyone without any one of them important to have a team in place that represents sort of where we want to go we can't get there alone and it, it's good to have the support and while I want to thank you too for joining the program it's been great to have your insight into the DLC and for joining me as a co-host so thank you thank you thank you Thank you. This, this was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Bridget, I, I, I admire the work you do. I admire the changes you are making. I admire using your voice to amplify the voices that were marginalized for a very long time. So thank you for that. And thank you, Haley, for, for having me here. Of course. Our guest today, Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, and my co-host today, Weil Bowen, CEO at HRX. This has been EDI on BIB. Thanks so much for joining us. Our show is published on Tuesdays. You can subscribe via your favorite podcast app. We'll catch you next week.